As I prepared this message, I was a little overwhelmed because the content is really deep and um, just timely, I think. And, you know, the Lord speaks to me in different ways. Sometimes he will drop a topic into my spirit and say, I want you to preach about peace or about this. But just out of the blue, the Lord said, this is what I want you to talk about. And um, in, in just the this description, it's escape from the culture of death. Escape from the culture of death. You don't have to look very far to see the constant message of death in our culture today. The world sings about it as well as violence when the curiosity of drugs lure unsuspecting victims into a downward spiral. The promise of escape from sorrow, grief, anxiety, despair, and pain that almost seems unbearable will be broken only leading to more intense hopelessness than ever before. This roller coaster of emotional highs and lows only gets worse until there are no more highs but only lows, causing those in this awful place to think and then believe that there is no way out or no escape. The enemy of our soul then reveals the once well-hidden door called death. He has decorated it to be the most attractive alternative to the pain, the fear, and the hopelessness. And he does his best to persuade with thoughts and uses others who will emphasize his message that death is the best and only choice left. No one understands, so just take this escape. The word escape means to get free of or to break away from. And I would submit to you this morning... That choosing death is not an escape from life. There's a couple of articles that I want to read from this morning that I found. These articles were written not quite two years ago, so they're fairly recent. Suicide is on the rise in the U.S. And the CDC reports 30% increase since 1999. According to the CDC, suicide rates in the U.S. rose 30% from 1999 to 2016. Significant spikes in suicide rates occurred in 44 states, with 25 states experiencing increases of more than 30%. The CDC reported increased suicide rates among both sexes and within all racial ethnic groups. Urbanization levels and age groups ranging from 10 to 74. Think about that, 10 years old. The largest suicide rate increase and the greatest number of suicides occurred among adults aged 45 to 64, which I was surprised by. Additionally, emergency room visits for non-fatal self-harm injuries, a risk factor for suicide, increased 42% between 2001 and 2016. The CDC also analyzed suicide descendants from 27 states. Of those, 
a majority, 54%, had no known mental health condition. They were also predominantly male, 77%, and non-Hispanic white, 84%. Some 20% of adult suicide descendants without known mental health conditions and 15% of those with known mental health conditions had served in the U.S. military. Suicide, listen to this, suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the nation and one of just three leading causes that are increasing, the CDC says. Of the 10 top, only three are increasing, and this is one of those three. In 2016 alone, there were about 45,000 suicides in the U.S., According to the CDC, the most common circumstance contributing to suicide in the U.S. are relationship problems, substance abuse, health issues, financial concerns, and job stress. The National Suicide Prevention and Lifeline website lists a number of risk factors for suicide, including mental disorders, substance abuse, hopelessness, impulsiveness, a history of trauma or abuse, and a lack of social support. Warning signs include talking about dying, expressing hopelessness, or a sense of feeling trapped, behaving recklessly, experiencing mood swings, and withdrawing, among others. Another article entitled, Believing Parents Reduce Kids' Suicide Risk. Uh, this was a kind of a bright spot, but there's still some very dark statistics here. A child's suicide risk has a lot to do with what his or her parents believe about God, a recent published study suggests. Kids and teens whose parents have strongly held religious beliefs are 80% less likely to contemplate or attempt suicide compared with offspring of parents who say religion is unimportant to them. Researchers at the New York Psychiatric Institute and Columbia University who conducted the longitudinal family study over three generations reported that the trend held even after accounting for known risk factors such as suicidal behavior, divorce, and family history of mental illness. The redu reduced suicide risk was also independent of the child's personal religious beliefs. I want you to get this. Regardless of what the child believed or his church attendance, while personal spirituality and religious services attendance further decreased the suicide risk for girls, this was not the case for boys, the children and adolescents in the study ranged from 6 to 18 years old. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, suicide is the third leading cause of death in the U.S. for children and young adults aged 10 to 24. The third leading cause of death for U.S. children, claiming the lives of 4,600 young people annually. Emergency rooms treat some 157,000 patients in that age range each year for self-inflicted injuries 
and 16% of high school students in the U.S. have seriously considered suicide. This study serves as a reminder that suicide prevention begins at home and at church, researching, but reaching families with the life-giving gospel message and equipping parents to pass on the truth, pass on the truths of Scripture to their children can make all the difference. Powerful statistics, sad statistics. But a reaffirmation to know that we must hold fast to the faith that we profess and spread that message to everyone who has an influential role in a young person's life. Choosing death is not an escape from life. Escape from the culture of death. It involves what I call life choices. We all have choices that we make every day. From the food that we eat to the clothes that we wear as well as the friends that we have. Those are among the choices that we make each and every day. Many choices seem like they are insignificant. But what is the single factor that determines the line, I believe the fine line between what is significant and what is insignificant regarding a choice? I'm glad you asked. I believe that is measured by whether the choice will make an eternal impact in life or not. There are some things that make no difference. How can we tell which choices are not significant and which ones are? What clothes I choose to wear this morning has no eternal impact on anyone. But the people I choose to have a relationship with and a deep friendship with, that can make a difference or an eternal impact, both good or bad. If I influence someone else's life, it has an eternal impact on them to, for the cause of Christ. But if someone else impacts my life and pulls me away from Christ, then it has an eternal impact negatively on me. And on my life, the word of God will let us know which ones are and which ones are not. Proverbs 14 and 12 says, there is a way that appears to be right. But in the end, it leads to death. It ends in death. What seems right to us is not always right. If we follow only what we think is right, it will lead to death. How many of you have, have thought you were right about something and it turned out that you were wrong? Sure, we all have. About stuff that, you know, stuff that may not even matter. I mean, we've had the conversation, we'll drive, drive somewhere and I notice a new place that I had never seen and I'm like, Boy, they must have just built that. And she'll tell me, no, it's been there for a year. I could have sworn it wasn't there last week. But there it is. What seems right to us is not always right. 
but in the end it will lead to death depending on what choices we decide to make. The enemy of our soul will always try to convince us that we're okay to follow our heart. That seems to be the theme in culture today. Just follow your heart. Doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Just follow your heart. Means they're really saying, follow whatever you feel inside and you'll be okay. The problem is, is whatever we feel inside may not be right. May not be beneficial. May not lead us down a pathway that we really want to go. The enemy of our soul will try to convince us that we're okay following our heart with our thoughts and our feelings. He will even place those thoughts and emotions inside of us and cause us to think about certain topics and certain things. And we buy into the thoughts that he's planted, thinking that, well, yeah, that sounds pretty good. That sounds okay. But remember this. He is a deceiver. He is a liar. Jesus said in the last part of John, chapter 8, verse 44, that when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. How can you tell the devil's lying? Well, when his lips are moving, he's lying. Whatever he says. Well, how do I know it's the devil? Is it contrary to the word of God? Some people learn over time, and hopefully many will learn over time, the difference between the voice of God, the voice of the devil, my thoughts. Did I just think that? Well, you can run all those things through the scripture. If it will take glory away from God, then it's from the devil. If it's against anything this book says, then it's of the devil. It's from him, and he's the father of lies. Jesus said this in John 10, 10. He said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's what his goal is. So I want to submit to you today to choose life. Proverbs 8 is known as wisdom's call. If you look in your Bible, in my Bible, at the head of the chapter, it says wisdom's call. And then it goes into this dissertation about wisdom. Wisdom is a character of God. So this is like a characteristic of God. The wisdom of God calling out. In Proverbs 8, verse 34, it says this. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord. This is the truth from the word of God, not the deceiver, not the devil, the enemy of, of your soul. The word of God tells you in verse 34 that when you are listening, when you're watching daily and you're waiting for the wisdom of God, which comes from the word of God. Then you will find, verse 35 says, and then you will find life and receive favor. So how do you get from choosing death to choosing life? Choose the Word of God. The Word of God is life. You will find life and you will receive favor. The Word will also tell you what the devil doesn't want you to know. In Proverbs 8.36 
But those who fail to find me harm themselves. All who hate me love death. Anyone who fails to find the wisdom of God through his word harms or hurts themselves and puts them in a category of inviting death. They're going down that pathway. Well, I'm somewhere in between, Pastor. I, I'm not going to say that I'm the most godly person or, or I know the word of God, but, but you know, I, I, I don't, I'm not choosing death. But what this scripture is saying is if you're not choosing life, you're automatically choosing death. It's not a straddle the fence kind of thing. You either are or you're not. Escaping the culture of death means that we must hold on to the word of God and trust in Jesus, God's only son, that was sent as a sacrifice to annihilate and defeat death. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is what? Death. The wages of sin is death. If you sin, you're going to die. We're all going to die physically, but you're going to die spiritually. The wages of sin is death. Jesus told a man one time, he said, stop sinning or something worse is going to happen to you. Stop sinning. He told the woman caught in the act of adultery, sleeping with someone who she was not married to. He said, Go and don't sin anymore. Don't do it. The word here says if you keep sinning, you're going to die. John 5, 24. Jesus said this. Oh, let me, let me back up. Romans six twenty three. I can't leave the rest of that verse out. But the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus our Lord. So the contrast is, yes, if you choose to sin, you choose death. But if you choose Jesus Christ, it is the gift from God that is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then John 5, 24. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. So when we hear the word of God, we believe the word of God, we believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life, then we put ourselves in the place of crossing over from death into life. So escaping the culture of death means to escape from choosing death and choosing the life that is in Jesus Christ. Escaping the culture of death means that we trust Jesus, believe in Him, and then we will cross over from death to life. And some say, somebody say, preacher, that sounds really easy and really simple. There's got to be more to this answer. To get out of the turmoil that I'm in. No, that's it. You don't have to figure a bunch of stuff out. All the planets don't have to align up. You don't have to have the right relationships right now. What you need to do is just choose life. Choose Jesus Christ. And when you choose Jesus Christ above everything else, He will make sure that everything else works out. It's the first and most important step in order to escape the culture of death. The enemy of your soul will do everything he can to keep you from reading the word of God, praying to God and attending church because he knows that he has already been defeated. 
Let's look at John 10, 10 again. It said the thief comes only to kill, steal, kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that they might, that they, that's us, might have life and have it to the full. The King James says abundantly. You might have abundant and a full life. So if your life seems empty, if your life seems full of despair, you think there is no hope. There is hope in Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. He has come so that your life can be full and to overflowing, over brimming and just filled with his peace and his love. There are people that walk around every day thinking, I just don't think I have a purpose in my life. Why am I here? I, I, you know, they have that, that, that the same kind of feeling that George Bailey had in the It's a Wonderful Life movie when, when, he, when somebody told him, it's like, you're better off dead. Some people think, well, I'm just better off not to even be here. Nobody even cares that I exist. But let me tell you something. There is a Savior. His name is Jesus. And He died for you specifically. He died for you because He saw the hurt. He saw the pain. He saw the circumstances that you can't control. That you had no control over. Yes, they were horrible. Yes, they were disgusting. Yes, sometimes they were so deep. And the scars and wounds go deeper than anyone can ever imagine. But I'm here today to tell you that that emptiness and that void that you feel deep down inside of you was meant to be filled with the fullness that comes only in knowing Jesus Christ. You will have full life and have it abundantly overflowing. It may seem like you're in a desert place. It may seem like that nobody cares. And it may seem like you're just walking through the desert and there's no drink of water ever to be found. And you just are going to die. You're going to die inside. And nobody can understand. Jesus understands. He understands. He told the woman at the well in Luke chapter 4, he said... I will give you water to drink from so that you will never thirst again. And what he's saying is that you don't ever have to go to this dry, this desolate, this thirsty, this arid, this barren place anymore because I will give you enough water, spiritually speaking, that will fill you up to the brim and will keep you overflowing. And you will never feel this way again as long as you keep drinking this water, allowing me to fill you up with this water. It's enough to sustain you from this day to the next and the next and the next. All the days of your life. You will have life to the full. If you will make a decision to put Jesus first in your life. I'm not talking about identifying yourself as a Christian or saying uh, I, I, I'm I, I'm. I'm a mediocre Christian or I just, yes, I believe in God and I believe in Jesus and I've asked him into my heart. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about putting him first in every area of your life. We're good at compartmentalizing. We're good at having a, a, a church persona and a work persona and a, and a family persona. 
We, we behave in certain ways in certain, depending on where we're at. But what Jesus is saying, let me fill you up with what really matters in life. And then it really doesn't matter where you are because you're the same wherever you are. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13.8 If you will make a decision to put Jesus first in your life, then the enemy will, will be served. Notice that his influence over your mind and emotions will have to stop. You're serving notice on the devil and all of his demons that this will stop. We encountered a I say encountered. We met a lady yesterday. We went out to eat. And uh, and uh, we got somehow, you know, I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to say it was our doing, but it's easy to do being new grandparents, talking about grandkids, but I don't think that's why it came up, but it came up in the conversation anyway. We were talking about kids and this lady who is around our age. They had just adopted a couple of years ago a boy who's now six. Their kids are grown. They have grandkids this kid's age. But he was in a situation. And she said the first little bit of time it was really rough. Because they would go into Walmart and he would just have a meltdown. She said she knew the store manager. Was it Walmart or Reese's? Reese's, Winter Reese's. And just had, would have a meltdown and said she knew the store manager. And she said, my cart's right there. We'll be right back. And a few times after going out and said, this is not going to happen. This is not how we behave. Because this is not acceptable. And I think sometimes we have to realize that when we give the devil a place in our lives, it can cause us to have a meltdown. And we have to realize and recognize that when this happens, this is just not acceptable. Because I've asked Jesus into my heart to be to be. That over, that more than enough, that abundant sufficiency for me so that I can have life to the full. And this is not going to continue in my life. And when we purpose in our own lives that this is not going to continue, then we can go back to the source and we say, devil, this is not going to continue because I'm not going to let it. It's just not going to happen. I remember when Natalie was young, probably two Remember that night she got sick? She was two years old, maybe. And uh, we, uh, she was sick. Now, our kids never slept in our bed with us unless they were sick or, well, Nick did some because he tricked us and came in the middle of the night and got in bed with us, but that's a different story. But Natalie was sick, and so we brought her into there. She was throwing up. She had thrown up to the point of, having dry heaves and it was just painful I think that was the morning I was supposed to get up and preach in Omogi or Muskogee I was supposed to preach in Muskogee the next morning we, we weren't youth pastoring or pastoring at that point and uh, anyway 
she would be sick and I would lay my hand over on her and groggily, sleepily, I'd pray for her and then I'd fall back to sleep and then she'd get sick again. And I would pray for her again and after about the, on about a third time, I got up and I got my robe and Annette said, what are you doing? I said, I'm gonna go pray. And I got up and I went in the kitchen and I began to walk back and forth. And I said, devil, this is not gonna continue. And I began to intercede for our daughter. She slept the rest of the night and was well. Because I'd had enough. I think many times spiritually we don't get to the place where we've just had enough. We allow him to run roughshod over us. And he pushes us and he pushes us toward the other direction. And many people, as we heard in the, in the articles earlier, they just go to that place. Even Christians are pushed toward death. The stress, whatever's going on, just stop. And in our society today, it's very difficult to find time. It's very difficult for most to make time, to find time to make sure that we spend that uninterrupted time with the Lord. And that is so critical. There has to be a place where we say, I'm not going to listen to anything, anyone. I'm not going to do anything except get in the presence of the Lord and wait on Him. He will speak to you if you are listening for Him to speak to you. But many times we can be so busy that we never hear his voice. We never hear his influence. Tragically, when that happens, he's not given the opportunity to show us really that he has the authority and that we have access to it. But now that you've heard this, you're reminded that you do. Jesus said this in Revelation 1, 18. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades, death and hell. Jesus holds the keys of death and hell. He has the keys. Jesus conquered death so that we don't have to. You don't have to conquer death. Escaping from the culture of death doesn't mean you have to conquer all those things that are coming against you because He already has. And the devil knows that he's already conquered death. In order to escape the culture of death, there's four things that I have here that you can do. I apologize if it's too small for you to read in the back. It's a lot of stuff. But make a decision, number one. Make a decision to surrender and follow Jesus for good. For good. Make a decision to surrender and follow Jesus for good. Surrender means I give up everything I want and everything I think I need, and I'm going to give it to Him. Number two, pray to Him Talk with him often. And I might add, 
Listen. Listen to what he wants to say. Listen to his word. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit still speaks to the heart of man today. The voice of God. Number three, attend church regularly. And I'm sorry that regularly isn't once a month. It's not once a month. Some people think I attend regularly. It means different things. When I was a kid, I attended regularly. Well, I still attend regularly. When I was a kid, I attended regularly, which meant Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, anytime there was a revival, every night. Anytime there was something else, a fellowship meeting, we'd go to another church every night to a revival, to a special service. Surround yourself with the people of God who care for you and love you and will encourage you. That's what we're here for. We're here to lift each other up and build each other up. And I know I've been in church a really long time and I know there's some of you that have. There are some times when there are things that happen even in the church world that are not really what God wanted. There are people that say things. There are people that do things. I've seen people that have left churches because some comment was made. And somebody. And I will say this again. You have to have thick skin to be a Christian. Yeah. you got to have thick skin to be a Christian. Amen. Because if somebody else is coming at you, that means they're not close to God. Now, that doesn't mean that someone can't come to you out of love and concern and bring something up that needs to be brought up that is scriptural. There's a scriptural way to do that. But just an opinion, that doesn't matter. It doesn't make a hill of beans worth of difference. But we're here to encourage each other. There's enough, there's enough people that get pushed around and stomped around in the regular world. And this is a safe place. Our, our greater fellowship that we're going to have tonight is a safe place. We talk and we encourage each other. We lift each other up. That's what we're here for. Life's problems and challenges. Don't ever listen to the devil again because he is a liar. Listen to the word of God and listen to the Lord. And after our natural life is over, when the Lord determines that it's time, then we can look forward to seeing Jesus face to face. And I want to close with this verse from Revelation 21.4. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. That will be such a beautiful time as we fully realize that the old order, which is the time that we're in now, that that time is speaking about, we're living in the time which was referred to as the old order. There's no more death. And it will never be something that any of us will ever have to deal with again. No more mourning, no crying, no pain. Well, we have that to look forward to. We must stay close to Jesus now because he will help us through the mourning, the crying, and the pain that all of us will face. We're all going to face those things. 
I've gone through heartache in my life, and I'm sure that you have too, but I would much rather go through it with Jesus than without him. Amen. Because to try to do it without him is enduring, and it's just so hard. But by choosing him, we know that we can escape from the influence of the culture of death in our lives. It surrounds us. Maybe you're here this morning and there have been some struggles that you've had in your life. And I'm here to tell you there's an escape and his name is Jesus. Maybe you know someone in your family or in your circle of friends or acquaintances that need to hear this message. And I want to encourage you to share it with them. It should be up on the church website shortly. And they need to know that there is a hope. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. He is our escape. He is our eternal life. He is our abundant life and gives us life to the full measure. Trust him. Lean on him. Hold on to him. He is everything. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. And I ask, Lord, that you would just have your way in a powerful measure right now. As you are reaching into the hearts and lives of those that are listening right now. And Lord, you will show to them as they think about your word as they listen to your voice, that you can come in and you can heal the pain, the hurt, and comfort them for the scars and the wounds that they've endured. You make it all better and new and full of your grace, your peace, and your glory. Thank you for what you are and who you are. In the name of Jesus, amen.